Okay, so it's my story time this time. Today, I'm going to talk about the frog. Uh, to talk about the story, there is a little bit of prefacing I have to do. I have to kind of talk about my job. Because if I don't talk about my job, it's not really going to make a lot of sense. <laughs> so, I am a chemist. I work in a lab. Sometimes that's a little bit confusing for people to understand exactly what I do. But picture, like, a nurse and a factory worker combined together, but then there's almost, like, no people. So, I was in one of these situations where I'm in this big room, lots of hot things, lots of dangerous equipment around. I'm just kind of standing there doing my thing. I'm doing something kind of boring, so I'm walking back and forth, trying to entertain myself, and then all of a sudden, I see this big, a naturally big thing on the floor. And I look at it for a second, and I'm kind of used to there being bugs in our building. That happens a lot. It has to do with our air exchange and stuff. But then I was like, that's a really big bug. <laughs> and so I turned away and then I looked back at it for a second. And I'm like, no, that's not a bug. That can't be. I get closer and it was a frog. There was a frog in the middle of my place of work. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do about it. I, For a moment, I just kind of stared at it. <laughs> stared at this living, breathing frog. And I'm like, I'm all by myself in this room. Uh, the outside is out there, but we have to use key cards to get in and out. I didn't have my key card, so <laughs> I ended up having to get cups, put a cup over the frog, put another cup under the frog, and then walk to one of my coworkers with the frog in hand and be like, hey, <laughs> so I got frogs in the, I got a frog in this cup. <laughs> Can you let me outside and then please let me back in <laughs> because if not I will get locked out and I will feel like an idiot for taking this frog outside and that being the reason that I get locked out and he was like okay Chris <laughs> like he, he was an older guy I really kind of didn't have it let me outside let me release this frog and it's still one of the weirder things that ever happened to me at work <laughs> how you said how his reaction was just sounds like an everyday thing for you like Okay, Krista. <laughs> like, he was another just, one. He was just really not amused. He he was a much older guy. I think he didn't understand it. But like I, my regard with the frog was like, well, what else am I supposed to do? What do you want me like, to do? do you want me to just leave the frog in our building? It's like, weird. I don't want it to just be here. I also don't want it to die in some horrific way. So pick it up, take it outside. It's what you do. So yeah. So that is my story about the frog. This is Passion for Your Passions. I'm Julie. And I'm Krista. And today, we're talking about Bioware video games. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast in the Citadel. Alright guys, so, as we mentioned in the last episode, we were holding off on talking about Bioware video games. And the reason why we were holding off on talking about it is because if given the opportunity, we could talk about it for an hour, as we have proved to ourselves lately. <laughs> Multiple times. But also, we've noticed that we can talk about Dragon Age even longer. So we're cutting Dragon Age from the Bioware episode and saving it for... 
Yeah, next episode. The whole purpose of this was for us to break things apart a little bit more and to show how broadly we can talk about things and then how specifically we can talk about things. So this is getting a little bit more specific because we're going to talk about Bioware and then we're going to get even more specific. Okay, Julie, so first question for you. What is a Bioware? What does it do? What's it be? A Bioware is a video game company that pretty much exclusively deals in Western RPGs. Yeah, uh, so to kind of start with a little bit of a history lesson, it started in 1996 with a game called Shattered Steel, which... Which is... was a mech simulation, so it was more or less... I think they were... The idea behind it was it's for military kind of training, but not exactly... Back in those times and a little earlier than that, games usually had to have more than one purpose. I looked it up on YouTube because obviously I haven't played this random ass game from 96, but it's, it's rough as you can imagine. It's very blocky, yeah. but that's what started it all. And then from there, they went to more D&D style games such as Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, uh, Baldur's Gate 2. These are... As Julie said, D&D games, they're from the Forgotten Realms campaign. I think Baldur's Gate is second edition, and then Neverwinter Nights is third edition. And them doing this, I think, was them more getting into their own passion. I don't know. I mean, I guess I wouldn't really know unless we talked to one of them specifically. I don't know if, like, Shattered Steel meant anything to them. I'm not sure. There's just one person <laughs> who just really cared about that. But it seemed like... Boulder's Gate and Neverwinter Nights, which, from what I understand about them, are very fantastic games. I've not played them. I was a little bit too young <laughs> at that point. But, so I think that that was Bioware just getting into their own passion. Because from there, they really made a lot of games that were RPGs, so role-playing games, like D&D. So, they were showing their stuff, right, with the D&D games, so and so forth. They were showing what they could do. And that's when a huge company went and bought them. That company is EA. And this is what happens to everybody. You know, you start out, you make your little silly uh, shattered steel game because you want to. Maybe it's your passion. Who knows? We're not, we don't know. <laughs> and uh, then uh, you you fudge along and eventually you get bought by EA. That's what happens to every game. Just like every company <laughs> gets bought by Disney or Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that is what happened to Bioware. So nowadays they are... Definitely owned by EA, uh, which for good it or for bad, is. that is what happened. <laughs> we are not here to say on any part of that because they have made good games on, on EA. They've also made some bad games. And some uh, bad decisions. But. <laughs> um, we do kind of miss some of this old Bioware that we're going to be talking about in this episode, which I'm sure probably most people who see this episode, most people who care, that's probably the Bioware that they care about. So I hope... That we're making you happy. You don't get hate mail for it. <laughs> yeah. Some, I don't know anyone who loves EA. Yeah. If I'm Some, being honest, everyone usually complains about what they've done to whatever company they own now. <laughs> that that person who likes Anthem is gonna <laughs> is gonna be so pissed. <laughs> They're going to be like, Anthem was the game that changed my life. And we're going to be like, we do not understand you, <laughs> but but good on you. <laughs> I'm glad someone gave him money for it. Okay. okay so the next part of this that we want to get into, just before we start getting into some of these games a little bit specific, is we want to talk about just why we like Bioware in general. What is the point in us talking about this? Why specifically Bioware? 
Well, so many companies make RPGs nowadays. RPGs are becoming a lot more popular. But Bioware just has a finesse with it. They just know to pay attention to those little details. They're especially known for their facial expressions and how even these background characters will make an aghast face when someone does something stupid. <laughs> and it's perfect. There's just so many things like that with Bioware. And, of course, for you, it's all that character development and that juicy storyline, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I would say that that is mostly why I like them. I mean, also, too, not to mention the fact that um, Bioware was one of the first companies I really started playing a lot of their games. So, for me, it kind of holds a special place in my heart just because of that. Because, you know, I played Jade Empire and KOTOR, and Dragon Age Origins, and that was, like, kind of one of the first companies I was like, oh, I like their stuff. Every time I play it, it rings that special bell in my head. <laughs> well, it's kind of like first discovering an author or a musician, where you just, you read a book or listen to an album, and you're like, man, I really like that, and then you look into it, and you're like, oh, wow, they did all this other stuff. I could read this or listen to this, and that's kind of what happened with Bioware, where, to be honest, I didn't really know any game companies, minus the difference between consoles, so Microsoft versus PlayStation versus Nintendo, Bioware is the first company that, like, I pay attention at any time someone's like, this is made by Bioware. I'm like, that's my game! Versus, yeah. like, people say Square Enix or Rockstar. I understand those right, now, yeah. but before, I had no idea the differences. So, while Bioware was still all by themselves, not owned by EA, they made KOTOR in 2003, and then Jade Empire in 2005, and then Mass Effect in 2007. And they were bought in 2008. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I did not... Oh, wait, no. Yeah, you did. It's up here. Oh, okay. And Dragon Age Origins was released in 2009. So it's <laughs> barely an EA game. Yeah. <laughs> barely. It was, it was made with all the passion and the love. Yes, it was made. Bought out. All the steps were taken ahead of time. So in this next part, like I said, we're going to be talking more specifically about games that we do love. So we're going to put out just kind of like a general spoiler warning. If you don't want to be spoiled on Jade Empire, KOTOR, or Mass Effect, which keep in mind, these games are more are than so years old. old. <laughs> but if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, we're probably going to spoil some things. A little bit. I'm definitely super spoiling Mass Effect 1, but we're going to try to stay away from the big twist spoilers as much as possible so that if you do play the game later... It's not going to be completely, like, ruined for you. Yeah, there's certain things, like, I don't know. My kind of philosophy with that is, is there's some things that I think are fine to talk about. And so, like, for example, stuff that happens, like, very early in a game, it's like, that's, like, the first thing. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe that's spoiling something for you, maybe. But that's, like... That would be like, in the demo. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> but... The big twists, the, you know... Uh, the end-game moments. Third arc... Yeah. endings i'm not gonna do that which we'll always try to do out of our respect and concern for our five listeners so okay so now now is the time it is krista's time to shine and we're going to talk about jade empire because we didn't get to talk about it last time because julie kept cutting me off because, that's exactly why because she said she said we're going to talk about bioware krista don't do it and i said okay <laughs> And I agree. No, I'm the bully here. But nonchalantly, I agree. Um, So part of the thing in the last episode that was kind of unfortunate when we were talking about Jade Empire is, so we had this whole part where we were talking about how we got into games and like what was the game that really took us from casually playing games to being more serious about it. And for me, 
that game was Jade Empire and I didn't get to talk about it. So it was kind of probably a little bit weird to just be like, yeah, Jade Empire, but no. We're going to kind of do the next sections just to kind of preface this in a specific order. So if it starts to sound kind of samey, that's why. So the first thing I want to start off with is just a basic, very, very basic description. Like this would probably be the thing that you would put on the back of the box, which is that Jade Empire is what I would refer to as a Chinese martial arts fantasy. And I think anybody who's played this game would probably refer to it as as that as well, because it's China, but it's not real China. There's a lot of magic, magic and like creatures and like you fight demons all the time. Like that's a pretty, I mean, not all the time, but it's a pretty common occurrence that you'll fight demons and ghosts and mainly just demons and ghosts. And spirits. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the thing. Oh, well, okay. And then the other part of that is like martial arts is very important. There's a lot of people who no martial arts. There's a, You can go to different schools that have martial arts and you can fight them. You start the story off at a martial arts studio. And the stances in the game are actually based on martial arts styles. So yeah. even though the game is old and it's kind of hard to, you know, exactly make all the forms matter, their stances that they start out on and their first poses are more often than not an actual authentic martial arts style. Yeah, and I think from what I remember about this game, I think that this was kind of one of the first games that utilized mocap, or maybe it wasn't mocap, but it was something similar to mocap where they actually watched real martial artists fighting and took their moves and then put it into the game. So if you like martial arts, maybe this would be a game that would interest you for that reason. Uh, Julie knows somebody who exploded somebody's eye with their martial <laughs> arts, and he says... I like how that's his new description. <laughs> and he says that this is pretty accurate, so... so take it from the eye-exploding guy that, you know, he's, he's solid on this. <laughs> All right, so setting and background. We kind of got into this a little bit. The setting is the Jade Empire, which is the name of the game. It's a fantasy version of China. You have little countryside towns, you have big imperial cities, people are connected to the spirit world, the gods, and the elements. So you could kind of like compare this, um, for example, like Avatar The Last Airbender, where, you know, there is kind of like this Asian influence, but then there's also this magic kind of system. Spirit. And yeah, spirits spirit and things. So that, I mean, that's probably like the closest way that I could compare it, even though it's not exactly the same. They're pretty different, honestly. There's not the whole four element thing. Well, there, there is, but <laughs> it doesn't matter as much. It's not the same. Yeah. It's, um, they, I think they have more than four is the fighting styles, at least. Because in like Avatar, you have the four elements as fighting styles. While in this game, you have the elemental fighting styles, and then you also have like a paralyzing fighting style. You have all these other various ones, the demon style, yeah. So and so forth. So Swords. It's, it's similar, but it has more fighting styles based on like this character you have with all these different spirit elements to it. The next part of this is the me appealing to why people should care. Why do I care? Why does anybody care about Jade Empire? This is probably a question because I'm not sure anybody does sometimes. <laughs> I think it's just you all alone. <laughs> it's me and there's like 10 other people. <laughs> And we're all like, please remake this game. And they're like, there's 10 of you. There's 10 of you. Don't give shit. Nobody, you 10 played this game. Good for you. <laughs> Keep going. Go, go bask in your misery. Go play Mass Effect or Dragon Age instead. 
So my thing is, to why I would say that people should care, I think that the story is somewhat familiar. It's in kind of this vein of the hero's journey. I mean, that's pretty typical of many video games in the RPG setting. But I would say that the setting is very different, especially for any Western RPGs currently on the market, which since I bring this up, we'll come, we're going to come back to this point of obviously this game, like I said, it is a Chinese kind of fantasy type of game. That's very Eastern. <laughs> when you think about that, you think about China and, you know, anything kind of in that realm. However, this game is made in the Western RPG style. So what, what exactly do I mean there? Because that might kind of be confusing to some people, but I would kind of go back to the point that we were talking about before with Avatar The Last Airbender. A lot of people who know animes and stuff, they'll tell you that's a Western anime. Yeah, it's not an anime per se, because it wasn't made in Japan. It's not made with Japanese stylings. The way that the story is told is not told in a Japanese or Eastern style fashion. It is told to be consumed by a Western audience. It's basically just a st same stories told by different cultures. So when you think about it in a certain way, when you think Western RPG, it's following tropes that we're used to, like the Northern countries and the English countries. That's just a way that things are done. There are things that are muted that are don't need to be overanalyzed and overdone because we already know what they are. They don't need yeah. to be brought to certain lights. When you play JRPGs or when you watch like Japanese anime, there are things that we just don't understand as a culture. It's not typical amongst us. Like when you see nosebleeds in an anime, people in America that don't watch animes don't equate that to perviness, but that is a common thing in like Asian cultures. That's a common joke or bit that they do. It's just the kind of styles and they're just the little things more or less of how they explain their storytelling, their way of moving through styles. There's nothing inadvertently wrong or right about either side. They're just different styles. They're different yeah. ways that are normal to one culture mm -hmm. versus another. And we enjoy both. It's just that Bioware is more Western. And we know because we didn't explain that a lot in the first episode that someone might come at us like these aren't yeah. actual RPGs. Like, no, oh, they are. They're just Western. And the thing is, too, is like, let me put this out here. I do like JRPGs and I like Eastern style RPGs is so it's not it's really not to say anything bad we're just saying that for the western market I do think that Jade Empire is a very interesting game and I don't really think that at least as far as I'm aware I can't think of anything that's like it but we wanted to pick Jade Empire to explain this because more often than not when we say JRPG versus western RPG people just assume it's Asian culture versus Western culture, and that's not yeah. what it is. It's very much just a style and way of doing things, regardless of whatever the topic is. And because Bioware is a Western RPG company, if you play Jade Empire, if you want to play Jade Empire, you might kind of pick up on exactly what we're talking about. Play this and compare it to, I don't know, Final Fantasy. You'll feel a difference. <laughs> a <bit> of a <laughs> difference. Yeah. <laughs> so... No longer talking about this very long point that we've belabored about Western RPGs. Um, one of the other things as to why I personally think that people should care is I really like the story of this game. And this, this game was the first story that really made me think that video games could be more than like Mario Kart, for example, because that was kind of my experience before, was playing games that were just like, oh, 
I'm bored. I have a couple minutes. I'll play Mario Kart or I'll play with my sister. This was the first one where I played it and it's like, oh my gosh, this is like reading a book and I'm really engrossed and I care. <laughs> and then the twist happens, which again, we're not going to spoil the twist, but the twist happened. And I was like, oh my God, everything has changed. And now I don't know how to think or feel. And the section right after the twist, I spent in an entire shock. <laughs> like, I played that whole entire thing. I just love the cinematic when they reveal the twist, too, because it just makes you so mad because of the line and everything. You're just like, how dare you? <laughs> I am not going to spoil this, but I am upset. And then I spent the next section of the game just what <laughs> like, what is happening i'm so pissed <laughs> i cannot believe this yeah so yeah and from there for me it just it really did change the way that i thought about video games in general and i think i wanted to play more that was like this after this this was actually the thing that I think from here, like, I started playing things like KOTOR. I mean, there's other J um, other RPGs that I've played. So the part that I haven't really talked about too much, which this is kind of another back-of-the-box thing that I think is just, like, a good thing to be... to explain what the basic story is, what the basic themes are, basic characters, all that kind of stuff. I'd say the basic theme so, is to keep the basics at heart. Keep the, keep the basics at heart. <laughs> keep the basics at heart. Everybody tells you that. Constantly. That, and you fight so strangely. Yeah, you, you're really good, but it's like odd. It's like this weird opening yeah, that I, I don't understand. I think that I could kill you, but I can't. That's so weird. So, <laughs> the story of Jade Empire is you've lived your whole life in this very small village. You've been training with your master slash surrogate father. His name is Master Lee. Your life is good. You are the best. <laughs> you are number one. You are the best. That is very important because people keep mentioning it to you quite a lot, no matter where you go. You are the protagonist. <laughs> yeah, you are the protagonist. You are the best. But at this point, you don't really know very much about life outside your village, outside of just doing martial arts every day, I guess. You don't know anything about your parents. So Sounds like a dream nowadays. <laughs> well, During my childhood, I've been like, what a horrible world to live in. And now as an adult, what a glorious way to live. <laughs> to just know nothing. <laughs> just know nothing of the world and to study martial arts every day. Yes, but, you know, you're like 20 and this aggravates you. And I don't know why this has never come up with your sur surrogate father before. Why you've never been <laughs> like, never hey. never been outside this tiny town. I'm like 20. Can you tell me something? <laughs> Can I meet someone outside of this small town or do something? I don't know. Maybe this conversation came up right before the story starts. So because Masterly decides that you are ready to know more. And so he puts you through this like very weird trial where essentially he tells you that you are a spirit monk. And a spirit monk is a person who is connected to the spirit world and a very you are like the avatar. <laughs> well, no, it's it's more like you're able to help transport the dead. Like that's kind of the function. There's like more to it than that. It's a complicated thing. And because of that, you're very important because the spirit world is essentially broken. 
people are dying and they're not going to the afterlife, so there's just kind of ghosts around. <laughs> Which is what you fight all the time. Yeah, so you fight so as a spirit monk, you're just whooping their asses for, <laughs> yeah. for not doing your own job, apparently. And, and you can kind of get little visions and you hear them talk while other people kind of can't. Except for Dawnstar, but forget about Dawnstar, we hate Dawnstar. And, her, and her weird frog legs. Yeah. But he gives you a piece of an amulet that belongs to you, you the spirit monk, and it helps you better to connect to the spirit world. Immediately upon getting this amulet, you have a vision of a woman spirit and she basically is like, shit's fucked. <laughs> help me. Help me. Help You're my me. only hope. Help me, Obi-Wan <laughs> You're my, my only, only dragon hope. hope. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, that is kind of, oh wait, no, wait, there's one more part oh, of wait, this. Oh wait, no. <laughs> so, okay, you're still in the cave at this point. Uh, Master Lee has put you through this weird trial where you're in the cave. You have your vision. And immediately afterwards, you're like, whoa, shit's fucked. I should go talk to my master. And but, then he's gone. Yeah, and then he's kidnapped. And that starts off the whole entire rest of the story. You basically need to go find him. Which allows you some, to travel the world outside your small yeah, village and meet and, other people. And then ask Sky And ask people, hey, do you know about my parents and stuff and who I am? And they're like, what's a spirit monk? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, never you mind. You fight good. <laughs> you fight good with the weird opening. Like, and that's why all I people know. say this? Where is Master Lee? Uh-huh. Uh, Master Lee. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows who he is because he has the most generic name in the whole realm. <laughs> well, he's also, he hides himself. That's not really a spoiler because that's mentioned very early on. That he's yeah. not who as soon he as says you, he As is. soon as you find him, he's like, eh, psych. Because you're like, well, that makes a lot more sense, bastard. <laughs> like, mentioned why, would, <laughs> why would this person take you if you're just some random like master of no, a No, no, no. He mentions it, like, it's like one of the first things he tells you in the game. Well, it's, yeah, like, right before you go, he's like, yeah. by the way, I have, well, I thought he kind of didn't reveal it. I thought he says, I have a no, secret no. identity. I'll tell you all the details later. And then he's gone. No, no, no. He, he tells you. He's the emperor's brother. It's not a secret. We, we can spoil that because it's like one of the very first things gotcha. he tells it doesn't yeah the emperor takes <laughs> yeah. him and you're just like what yeah. <laughs> but okay, you forgot so. to mention a very important character oh no <laughs> you forgot to mention gal the lesser he doesn't <laughs> why won't we mention gal the lesser you have to mention gal the lesser <laughs> he's not relevant he is so he's always relevant gal the greater gal the greater sucks <laughs> but we're talking he, about gal the lesser okay julie wants me to mention gal the lesser because gal the lesser is Nathan Fillion. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know. Also, I honestly, every time I talk about this, I like to make the point myself that I don't think Nathan Fillion knows that he did this because <laughs> I'm telling you, it is the most random role. It is like to have him be some warlord's son in an Asian based yeah. RPG. And he's like barely in the game. I, I mean, a I'll tell you what, Dawnstar. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember him pointing at Dawnstar. <laughs> Yeah, and he's so mean. It's at the very beginning where you're like, essentially Master Lee's like, go get Dawnstar to go with you. And you're like, okay. And you go across the bridge and she's there and has the weird like harp music and she's talking to you and Gal Lesser comes up like, hey baby, let's go. And she's like, no, Gal. And they have this whole moment and you're just sitting there like, what the hell? You come up and you're like, hey, leave her alone. Yeah. And then he points his finger like, I'll show you Dawnstar and like really dramatic. (laughs) And it's Nathan Fillion. It's Nathan Fillion. (laughs) And it is very bizarre. And this was out of time, too. This was long before I think it was very popular for there to be kind of famous actors as voice actors in video games. So 
beyond me. I don't know why Nathan Fillion did this. If I ever get a chance to talk to him, believe me, it's the first thing I'll ask. I'll stare at you like, what? <laughs> you hey, can you about? tell me why you were in Jada? <laughs> For all of like six lines. <laughs> so, themes in Jade Empire. Questing. Pretty typical of an uh, RPG, but that's a big thing here. You're going on a big, long quest. You need to find Master Lee. There's also, what makes a person a good fighter? Keep the basics at heart. There's also, because this kind of falls into that Chinese mythology, there's a lot of light versus dark. There's this whole thing of open palm versus closed fist, which I still love. I still love closed fist. Just punch them. <laughs> punch and just like, hey, <laughs> open palm. Hey, open hands. Um, the other thing that is a theme that comes up, I wouldn't say it's like a very strong theme in here, but there is also a little bit of the pain of revenge and like what it means to like actually take revenge and, you know, kind of being a broken hearted person. That's kind of the main story. And just kind of ending this with one special topic is that this game, it needs to be remade because it's broken right it's now. Broken. You can't play it. It has been unplayable since the Xbox. So Bioware, yay. All Hear the this power now. Hear our be. cry. <laughs> Can you please remake this game on a system that is current and that it actually works? Because I played it on Steam before and it was real bad. So please, somebody fix this. <laughs> somebody hear us and fix this. So I guess going from there, we're going to go into Knights of the Old Republic, KOTOR, as we refer to it as. Mm. In a galaxy far, far away. But first of all, we should probably start with for like kind of a basic description, it's just a Star Wars sci-fi fantasy. So in a galaxy far, far away, but like 4,000 years before the Galactic Empire, <laughs> just before the story takes place, there was the Mandalorian Wars, which you probably heard referenced, especially in the new Mandalorian show. The idea behind the Mandalorian Wars was Mandalore and the Mandalorians were like, hey, we're really good at like ruling stuff. We're going to spread out and fight people. And essentially any planet that would be like, yeah, you can take care of us. They're like, cool, you're under our wing. And any other planet was like, uh, no, we don't want you to take care of us. They're like, oh, so you want to fight. We want to be the best. And they were just trying to take over the, the whole entire galactic. Um, yeah. And the Jedis came in. So did quite a few other races. And were just like, nah. And they fought dirty. And Yeah. You know. <laughs> and, and I think I, I always bring this point up because I think a lot of people don't really understand the whole Mandalorian versus Jedi thing. And it kind of comes up here and again. You can think of... Mandalorians and Jedis as like the Mandalorians are very technologically advanced, whereas the Jedis are kind of like magic. So that's kind of why they clash so much. It's kind of like a misunderstanding, I guess, is the best way. Well, that the I Mandalorians would put it. do have their own version of magic because they have like the I always forget what it's called, but it's like this vibrating uh, sword that they act as kind of like a lightsaber in a way. Yeah, but I think to them, and it's that's the dark sword more as technology than it, whereas like. The Jedi are more well. Like, the core their behind whole thing is we're all mystical. The <laughs> core behind their problems is the Jedi are meddlesome, while the Mandalorians are just like we just want to fight or take yeah. care of people. And then Jedi are like, well, you can't do that. Fucking why? And like, <laughs> and then they fight. So, yeah. So, so it's there's a lot between the Jedi and the Mandalorians, but that's anyway. a whole another video. Yeah. <laughs> Off the Mandalorian whole another wars. Podcast. What happens? The main reason behind bringing up Mandalorian wars is that the two Jedi that kind of or a big component in ending those wars were Malak and Reverend, which the story of the Knights of the Republic is them as Sith. 
more or less, and you're fighting Malak yeah. throughout the game. Basically, there's this whole thing where the Jedi don't want to get involved in the Mandalorian Wars. Revan and Malak are like, eh, we will, because they were kind of shits. And so they end the war, and everybody's like, oh, cool. But then they come back, and they're shits, and everybody's like, not <laughs> <What>? cool. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And that's where the story of KOTOR starts. KOTOR yes. 1. So why should you care about this? Well, if you're like... A lot of people I know, including myself, you're kind of sick of the Skywalker nonsense that goes on in the galaxy. Like, how much can a family fuck up the whole realm? Like, it's just, seriously? But you still love the lore and the idea behind the concepts of Star Wars. This game kind of plays more into that. So this is a different story with the same elements. Like, it doesn't even have, I don't think it has any references to the Skywalkers because it's so far before them. Yeah, I mean, it might have... It might some have some kind of weird Easter things. But. I yeah, but nothing, nothing that's like, hey, there's Luke for some reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no that. like, like Yoda's not in it really. He Luke. is, but no, there's um, there's... I, gosh, I forget. I keep meaning to look this up. I forget what their race is called. I want to say it's called like a, a centurion is what they're called. There is one of them, but yeah. he's not Yoda. He's not Yoda, but he's like so. a part of the council. So they have characters that look similar. <laughs> yeah, I guess is a way you could put it. Yeah, they have Twi'leks, Twi'leks. Twi'leks, Twi'leks. I don't remember how you actually Depends say Depends on that. your accent. <laughs> um, yeah, all I the things. Twi'leks. I think there's like a Jabba, too. Yeah. And so it's all like stuff that you're familiar with. It's just no Luke, no Anakin. <laughs> no Leia, no. Um, but no the Luke. other thing I want to point out about this, too, is that so out of all of the stories that don't have to do with the Skywalkers, this probably is one of the most beloved Star Wars story. Like, if you ask somebody who is a huge Star Wars nerd about what some of their favorite stories are, this is probably one of the ones that will come up. Yeah, this is still canon, I believe, as well. So I think I think they tried to make it uncanon, and, and then people were failed. like, yeah, they're like, no, <laughs> this story is too We good. will kill you first. Yeah. So with that, we're going to get into the story just a bit. You start out on a Republic ship, and you're attacked by Malak. The ship crashes, and basically everyone dies except for you and your pilot, Karth. Your ship's Jedi, a woman named Bastila, manages to escape, but you need to find her. And that is your first mission. And Karth, being the loyal Republic man he is, yeah. won't shut up about it. Yeah, there's also, <laughs> like, blah, 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 importance of the universe. Bastila's, like, a great Jedi, you know, yada, yada. Yeah. And you're like, I'm a protagonist. <laughs> Yeah, you don't even, like, there's no, you have nothing. Like, you're just there as a soldier or a random private cadet or whatever. You're You're just like, why did I get chosen for this? You're like, I didn't die in the ship fire. Yeah, like, how did this happen? And then, like, you even command Karth, which makes no sense. You're like, who the fuck am I? Why am I suddenly? Okay, so there is one small connection, which is, like, you have dreams of Bastila. But, I mean, other than that, like... Which is also, it's inexplicable because you haven't met her. So you start having dreams about her and you're like, what the shit? Who's this lady? And then you like describe her to Karth and Karth is like, oh, that's Basila. (laughs) Yeah. Which for like the twist in this game, I feel like Karth doesn't reveal anything. Yeah. But I don't think, I I don't think Karth knows anything is the thing. Oh, okay. I don't think it's Karth who's keeping the secret. <laughs> it's everyone else who's yeah. keeping the secret. It's not Karth. So Karth, yeah. Karth is just as dumbfounded as, <laughs> as everyone else. As he always is in every game. Aw, poor Karth. <laughs> Which I wanted to mention the voice actor for Karth cracks me up every time. Because he's in multiple Bioware games and he's always like the loyal soldier type. 
And he's always this, like, smoky-looking guy. Like, he always has darker skin tone and dark hair. And the voice actor in real life has super curly blonde hair and is super white. I'm <laughs> just always like, why do they have you play these guys? <laughs> it makes, it doesn't correlate to me at all when I see you. <laughs> when I picked funny. you. But, okay, so Jedi shenanigans ensue. You have to, you finally, yeah. you eventually get Bastila. And then you have some, what's the real mission after that, honestly? I don't remember. After is it the, that, like, so, okay. So I think once you do get Bastila, basically she's like, Whoa, you are super sore, um, Jedi, oh my gosh. All those mini-chlorians, man, you're super with the Force. Yeah, you are super Force-sensitive, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) So she decides to take you, I don't remember what the planet is, because it's been a while, but she takes you to the planet where the Jedi Council is. She needed to go there anyway, but she's also like, hey, we should get you trained. So you even though you're become, ancient, yeah, you yeah. be yeah, because you're like twenty. Uh, same thing in Jade Empire. It's like you're twenty. Twenty everything happens. <laughs> twenty five something, whatever. You're too old really to be a Jedi, but you're like you are one with the Force. Mm-hmm. So I think at this point, basically, you've had several run-ins with Malak, and there's kind of like this overwhelming urgency to do something because he's a Sith. And bad shit. And at this point, he does want to take over the galaxy. Well, they basically. want they want so. Bastila. So his point is that he's trying to convert Bastila to the dark side because she has something called um, the battle strategy. Battle meditation. Battle meditation. Yeah. She has that ability so she can essentially see into the enemy's plans of whatever, like, strategy and form they're going to follow. Yeah, she can make battles go more in her favor, yeah. essentially. So he wants her to turn to the dark side is kind of the main concept, and you want to make sure that she stays to the light. And now that you're becoming a Jedi and you are already connected anyway, you're going to keep her towards the light unless you turn. And plus, I think at this point, you've had like a couple run-ins with Malak besides him totally fucking your ship. (laughs) And you're just like, wow, that guy who helped me in the tutorial is dead. (laughs) Because (laughs) you definitely killed him. Yeah. So so after you have some vengeance basically so after you get all your power and ability and they're like hey you're a jedi you're a jedi wizard harry um (laughs) you have to move on from that point you're looking for star maps that yeah which the star map that that gets kind of more that malik's in that's in to figure out what exactly happened to revan and malik because it was revan is as far as we know he's nowhere to be found well it was also it was weird because essentially they were good guys you know they went they fought the mandalorian wars and they won and then it was like all of a sudden they became sith and nobody really knows why it's i i guess they never took the time to explain i don't know so there's like this kind of urgency to figure out hey why did these two people who were pretty good just all of a sudden turn does that mean evil? everyone has that dark and light within them and anyone can turn which is another one of those themes that they yeah. play in every star wars that's like kind of the typical themes of everything typical jedi stuff morals light versus dark what does it mean to be a good person <laughs> apparently not having sex and not having an arm <laughs> yeah <laughs> Just, just how it goes. Yeah. I don't. I don't know why that's a thing in the Jedi code, but you cannot get married. It. It will make it's you the passions. Evil. Yeah, <laughs> being married makes you mean and evil. So, Krista, are you Sith? Is yeah. Right? Is this how you reveal the it moment to me? I became married. The <laughs> second I want. I want to have a wedding where it just instantly goes dark as soon as the vows are done, and we have like red lightsabers like yeah. we have now become sith we have <laughs> we have the power we have forsaken the jedi yes. 
I, that's totally going to happen if I'm winning. <laughs> so, so. so I guess our special topics would be that KOTAR 2 kind of sucks. But it's not Bioware, technically. Yeah. yeah, I forget. We looked into this, but I forget exactly who owns it. But it's not Bioware, so whatever. And it's not it's not the worst game. Like, if people played KOTOR and they wanted to play KOTOR 2, I wouldn't, like, tell them no. It's just, just it's not my favorite. Well, also, I think we're very excited for it. So if you listen to us t- tell you that it's not that great, you might like it more than we did because you're going in with lowered expectations. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I think it definitely, it hits that second game syndrome where it's like, eh, it's kind of lazy. It's not as good. Yeah. It has some things, but it's not as good. Uh, the other part, the other special topic, is that we think that this game is very playable. Even today, right now, you could probably get this on Steam, and it will totally function, unlike Jade Empire. I still and... play it on my phone, like, once a year or so. It doesn't sound like it, because I kept forgetting parts, but it's because I just power through that bitch. <laughs> like, yeah. I go real quick, because I get tired of that stupid city you're stuck in forever. Right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. I hate okay, that city. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> another thing that I would mention, too, is that I don't know why, but the first arc of this game well, lasts way I too long. I think it's because you don't have, like any other characters other than Karth for a long time. Well, it's also, I think, because the first section of this game, so we're still talking about KOTOR, by the way. The first section of KOTOR, you're stuck in a city, and it takes a very long time for you to get out. And I think also part of the reason why is because you don't really know what you're doing. And also, like, the map is very non-intuitive in that place. So, like, you just run between the places back and forth, and you're like, where's this thing that I'm looking for? Yeah, even as someone who plays it every year, every time, just like, fuck this city! (laughs) I hate this city so much! Well, it's because you go to one place, and they're like, you're not a Sith. Like, you don't have the uniform. You can't enter this military base. And you're like, I don't even know I wanted to. And then you go off somewhere else. And then you talk to somebody in the medical bay. And they're like, hey, there's this, like, horrible disease that I need a cure for. And you're like, cool, I still don't know what you're talking about. Like, you, you essentially go to yeah. all these places that are later in the story before you get to the point. Because the point is, like, off on the outskirts. It's yeah. not somewhere you're supposed to be yet. And it's well, very Well, it also has a big lead up, too, is the other part of it. Like, it's, yeah, you hear all that random information. But, like, it takes a long time for you to... I'm pretty sure the point is to get to Bastila, but it takes like it takes so long yeah, you for have you so to be many able to quests get in between. Because yeah. I think the point is you're supposed to get into the military base to figure out what happened to the pod that Bastila was in, and once you do that, then you figure out that she's like held as a captive, and you have to do the pod races to win her. Well, but then but it there's takes also, so long to get there. But then there's also that part where you have to go to the underground with mission. Yeah, that's the part, like, before she gets you the military gear, I thought. Like, you get to the outskirts to cure the ravenous disease No, right. I'm just saying that this part of the game (laughs) is just so so winded. It takes so long. long. It takes so long for you to get to Bastila, and that's not even half the game. No. (laughs) Which, okay, I like this game. I'm not using this as a complaint. I'm just saying that I think on replays, this part of the game is very tedious. It's I think it's very engaging the first time you play it because you really do kind of fe- have that kind of feeling of like, how am I supposed to do this? But when you replay it, you really <laughs> wish there was a But all of that aside, you really should play this game. It is a great game. Uh, I could spoil the hell out of it, but just play it. 
Seriously. Which I want to take this moment. If you do go to buy this game, do not confuse it with SWATOR. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. That is an MMO, which means mass multiplayer online. And it wasn't great. <laughs> to me, World of Warcraft is the ultimate MMO. Yeah. Even though I do not like the latest expansions and da 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 Like, all those arguments aside, at its core, it's kind of the number one to me. And so any other MMO I try, even though they're going to come out with a Lord of the Rings MMO that I'm definitely going to play, it's just not the same. There's always mechanics that don't work. There's not enough people playing. And Swator was definitely kind of like a money grab, I feel like, and I did not like it. So do not buy Swator or whatever ex- whatever expansions are a part of that. Just get KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. It should be like $10 or less. But I think uh, that's it for KOTOR. So. The time is now. Time to talk about Mass Effect. Julie's favorite game. It's not my favorite game. I think Dragon Age Origins is probably my favorite. Your favorite out of Bioware. (laughs) The favorite for this episode is Mass Effect. Okay. (laughs) Dragon Age is Bioware. Fine. The favorite for this episode. (laughs) Yes. The favorite for this episode. Uh Which I would, in my basic description, call a science fiction galaxy hero. That's that's what it is. You are military number one. Yeah, I was going to say, if I could add one more word, it would be war hero. <laughs> yeah, war hero. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, you can pick, like, your weird story, but you're more or less, like, some military savant. So, we'll start with the background. It's set in the Milky Way galaxy. The year is 2183, which we won't live to, um, <laughs> unless they figure out cryo-freezing or something, where interstellar travel is possible through the Mass Effect relays. So they're believed to be made by the Protheans, which are these, like, ancient, alien, super advanced species that are long gone. And the Citadel Council is the universal government. So they kind of have a representative from the main core aliens that make decisions for everybody. And you are military, and you are now the first human specter. That's the first thing that really happens is, well, I think there's, like, a mini mission beforehand, but essentially the the big point in Mass Effect 1 is that you're the first human specter, which specters are kind of, like... High-profile government agents. They have a lot of, like, clearance for things, and they're kind of, like, the council tells them what they need to do, what they need to inspect, and they have all these abilities and ways to Mm. get through stuff. So do they give you special powers? They're not special abilities. They're just, like, special permissions. So, like, it's like a spy, where if you Mm. go somewhere, people would be like, oh, you have the clearance. So you're, like, the James Bond of the Milky Way. In a way. You just have all these weird clearances now because you're a human specter. Hey, you can blow up. You have a license to blow up that ship. <laughs> yeah, just like, what happened here? And you just hand off a card. I'm like, oh, okay, it's fine. All right, cool. <laughs> That's very you're much Commander Shepard, so. Yeah, Shepard. Like all this. <laughs> so why should you care? Why is this game interesting? Well, I love the diversity of cultures and, like, how things function, the different types of aliens and their impact. And the tech is just like in any sci-fi game, but I feel like a lot of sci-fi games just harp so much on the tech that they don't really go into the culture of the different species and the and the various worlds and things that are about. Mass Effect does both. Mass Effect, it's not a whole lot of tech, to be honest. It's The tech is more oriented towards the Reapers and towards your armor, but that's kind of shadowed by all the culture and the things that you experience through the worlds. But it's like, hey, what would it be like to be on a ship with an alien because I'm guessing kind of weird. <laughs> I'm guessing there will be, so, you know, it's like in Futurama with, with Dr. Zoidberg. That was the whole point of him. They were like, wouldn't it be really weird if your doctor was not the same species as you? Which like, happens. 
Well, not in Mass Effect 1. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. But also, you're a big goddamn hero. And that's always fun to play. Because you in a world today, it's really hard to be that kind of person. But, you know, you know I mean, tape. that's been kind of the theme of all of these games that we've mentioned. You're the protagonist. But I in, in Mass, Mass Effect, Effect, you yeah. start off as the hero. Like, you're yeah. already this person that people kind of look up to and talk about. The other games, it's like your beginning is now. Like, my story has begun, and I am here. Yeah. But, yeah, and you're like a, a war hero. I keep bringing that up because, you know, it's very different from, like, a fantasy RPG or whatever. Like, it is kind of more military feel. Very much. So I'll start off with, I'm definitely ruining Mass Effect 1, and I'll tell you why. I don't think you need to play Mass Effect 1. So the reason why I'm ruining it is if you do listen to this podcast and you're like, dude, I want to play these games. Start off with Mass Effect 2, I swear. Just start off with Mass Effect 2, okay? I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about Mass Effect 1 so you can play Mass Effect 2 with peace and ease. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So Mass Effect 1 is my least favorite out of the three of them, and I'm sure that someone's going to find me and kill me for saying that. But it's just the mechanics are just a little off. There's just certain things that make it inconvenient. And the story is very streamlined and basic. So while I find it necessary and it's fine... It's just not as good. Mass Effect 2 is definitely the best game out of the three. And you don't really need yeah. Mass Effect 1 to get that across. And I think that that is kind of a, a known thing. Mass Effect 2 is like a very high Metacritic rating, which people don't know what Metacritic is. Metacritic is essentially like Rotten Tomatoes. That's the same way that you could think about it. And I believe that Mass Effect 2 has like a 98 out of 100, which is a really high score for Metacritic. Like, that's basically, like, this is essentially a perfect game. <laughs> this is the Shawshank Redemption of games. Yeah. <laughs> it's so. beautiful. Or The Godfather is another one. But So to kind of go over what Mass Effect, I have literally just a small paragraph. This is all you need to know about Mass Effect 1. So you start off, you're looking for Prothean tech, which the Protheans, as I mentioned, are the species that people believe created the Mass Effect relays, which basically transported us into the future with travel and so on and so forth. The Geth are your main enemy. The Geth are an AI robotic type of species that the Corian created and were turned against. So you're betrayed by Saren, who is another specter who's actually a Turian specter. And it turns out he was actually indoctrinated. I can say that word. He was indoctrinated by Sovereign, which at the end of the game, the twist more or less is that Sovereign is a Reaper. The Reapers are essentially the automatic reset button of organic life. So they wait for organic life to kind of hit a certain peak of technology, which turns out to be now, and they wipe it all out and allow for evolution and everything to start all over again. So the big other twist at the end of Mass Effect 1 is you find out the Citadel is actually a giant relay that the Reapers created, and they use that relay to go back to the Citadel and wipe out all the the life in the galaxy fairly easily. So the Protheans knew this, and they actually sabotaged it, so that they couldn't do that. And the reason why they indoctrinated Saren was to undo that, to make the Citadel Relay come back in action. So at the very end of the game, your big choice after you defeat Saren is, are you going to save the council? Or are you going to save the lives of like pretty much everyone in that area of the galaxy? Which, yeah. every single time I kill the council, because I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't care. Um, the only other <laughs> note I will say is... If you play Mass Effect 2 and you love it and you do want to go back to Mass Effect 1, the only thing that matters at all is you have to save Rex. He's a Krogan and it's kind of hard. It's a very like articulate, particular conversation you have. 
If you don't save him, you get the stupid, lame Reaver, whatever fuck his name is, in Mass Effect 2 and 3 is a, a character. But if you save Rex, he's in it. He's so much better. That's all I have to say yeah. about Mass Effect 1. That's that's all fair. I, yeah. I do have one question. Like, the, the choice that you're talking about at the end, with, like, the Sovereign and the Council, like, does that matter significantly at like the beginning of the game like have you ever seen what happens when you pick the other option yeah um it doesn't matter a whole lot essentially one group of people hates you or the other one does and so it just creates like different conversations i thought it would matter a lot more like there'd be some weird like this council changes over a bit and the council kind of hates you (laughs) like that's about the only impact it really has i thought it would cause fair Because no matter what you do, I think the Batarians get, like, knocked out. So if, um, but I think the impact is more dramatic if you pick to save the council versus them, and they're really fucking pissed. Like, that's just, that's pretty much the main squeeze of it. Which, I mean, to be fair, I mean, it's, okay, it's kind of weird. Like, okay, to be fair, yeah, they probably wouldn't trust you. But then also, like, at the same time, they, hypothetically, they all died anyway, so, like, reset the trust. Well, like, hypothetically, um, <laughs> you wouldn't be in the council if I didn't kill your predecessor. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, okay. So. Anyway, so there's Mass Effect 1. That's Mass Effect 1. That's all you need to know. You've been spoiled. You've been spoiled. Um, I haven't spoiled everything in it, just the parts that matter, I guess. Now we're getting to the, the good part, Mass Effect 2. So the beginning of Mass Effect 2, you get spaced and die. <laughs> that is the very beginning of the game which is the oddest way to start a game i don't think so i mean a lot of games kind of start with your dad I, I, I just can't believe that they have a whole game with a whole ending and then two is you died i just love that it's not like you died off camera like you literally just start learning how to play the game by getting spaced it's great <laughs> so you're then like your body is like bought by cerberus and you're brought back to life which takes years, by the way. And Cerberus, the only thing you know about them is they're kind of racist in that they have the human interest at heart that they put ahead of everything else. You kind of have a couple moments or quests with them in Mass Effect 1, but if you don't pay attention, you don't really notice, if I'm being honest. I had to replay it and be like, oh, that's them. <laughs> so it's not something very obvious. It's something you kind of have to read the codexes and be more aware of what's going on. But they're led by someone called the Elusive Man, who is now kind of... He's not your boss, because you're your own boss, because you're a fucking, you know, Commander Shepard. But he he pushes you in the direction of which you're supposed to go and kind of tells you, like, hey, you should do these things. And you're like, fuck you, and then you do them anyway. Uh, He tells you that human colonies are being wiped out by collectors, which are an alien race you've not seen or heard of up until this point. And they essentially go into human colonies, paralyze everyone, and harvest them and take them away. So the elusive man tells you, hey, go check that out. And then you do. And then he tells you, okay, let's get a squad together. And then you essentially are like, what about all my squad from the first game? And he's, <laughs> he's like, like eh. <laughs> he's like, here's some, do- here's some dossiers. Or he'll tell you, like, Liara's doing something else. Or we haven't heard about Garrus and just... You can ask him. And you're like, okay, but Garrus. But Garrus is the main point. Like, who else do I want? I'm gonna get Garrus, But you interact with every character from the first game that's in your party (laughs) at some point in the second game. Whether it's because they do become part of your party, because Tali and Garrus eventually become part of your party. Um, Other ones don't. Like, Liara doesn't, technically. She has a big side DLC mission, but you do hear about every character that was in your party in the first one. And you also get a couple back. Like, you get Joker back as your pilot, who's Seth Green. (laughs) Yeah, Joker's another good one. I would yeah. I would definitely say Garrus. Everybody loves Garrus. This is a known fact. 
Even if uh, you don't know it yet, you didn't. You now you, know. You love Gareth now. It's you official. now know. <laughs> He's the best. It's impossible to explain why, really, because it's it's really all about his character, but. There's just something about that that alien that's so lovable. Yeah, he's so great. <laughs> so Mass Effect 2 is my favorite of the three of them. Uh, that's the main point is you're trying to stop the collectors. There's a lot of stuff you learn along the way that I won't reveal or what have you. I think what makes this game so great is that every single character, I mean, other than humans, the humans are boring, but like, all, but all the aliens are very interesting. <laughs> well, except for Joker. Joker's, Joker's great. Joker's, yeah, Joker's the one great. human that Julie likes. I think one of my favorite bits is because uh, Cerberus installs an EDI on the ship, which Joker's very much like, what the hell? This is bullshit. And, but Edie's really funny. And so they kind of have a, a rapport back and forth. And there is a bit, I think it's like mid-game, where you actually have to play as Joker because enemies get on the ship while the rest of the team is away. And you have to play as Joker, who, by the way, is crippled. So... <laughs> You're just, like, slogging along while all these aliens are killing and taking the rest of your crew members. And Edie is, like, commanding you, like, okay, his name's Jeff. She's like, Jeff, you need to go down this shaft or whatever. And he says, oh, great. I get to crawl on my hands and knees in the vent. And she's like, I like the sight of humans on my knees. And he just pauses and looks forward. And she's like, that was a joke. (laughs) And he's like, sure. Because the whole point of it, he's unshackling Edie. So he's like, I'm just going to cause all of humanity to be slaves now because I'm unshackling the goddamn Edie. <laughs> I mean, also, it's Seth Green. Yeah, so, so it's great. That's one of my favorite So he's the, he's the one good human. Yeah, he's the one good human. It's very funny. There's... You're pretty partial to all the other aliens, right? Do you like all the aliens? I really do. Like, okay. um, yeah. I don't love Liara, but it's just because I don't like the obsessive team member type. That's not really my jam, but that's probably because I've had too many stalkers in my life that I'm just tired yeah. of that trope. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I have stuff like that, too. Like, I I don't tend to like characters that are very vain. I know some people really like them, but for me, that's never, like, a plus. <laughs> yeah. With Liara, she's just like, Shepard, you're so amazing. I'm like, do you understand your own species? I am trash compared to you. Yeah. Like, why are you talking to me this I'm way? I'm just a filthy human. I'm just a disgusting, useless human. And I remember when I worked at the game store, I was talking about Mass Effect with some greaseball nerd. That's how I'm going to put it, because he was gross. And he came in all the time. But I was talking to him about Mass Effect, and I was like, well, I like to romance Garrus, of course. And he's like, oh, I romance Liara. And I went, yeah, she's just a little too obsessed for me. He's like, oh, I know. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is gross. <laughs> like, ugh. <laughs> Never like her again, God. (laughs) So gross. That's that's about what I expect from working at GameStop. Yeah, it was just gross. (laughs) But, okay, so Mass Effect 2 is my favorite. I could talk about it for another hour, but I'll get into Mass Effect 3. So first of all, I want to head this with, it's not that bad. Jesus, people, it's not that bad. I really enjoy Mass Effect 3. I think... One of the things I'll mention, just kind of like from my perspective about this game, I think I think that this game did get kind of ruined by hype. I think if it hadn't been affected by the hype monster so bad, I don't think that people would have been so offended by this game. Yeah, I mean, I was working at the store when this was coming out, and I was super hyped, but I still really liked the game. People complain that the ending is the issue, that the ending didn't have the diversity that they wanted. They said the other games didn't matter. The ending was the same no matter what. And, I mean, to me that makes sense. The point of the Reapers is that they always do the same thing. They always wipe out 
everything. And your main villain throughout the whole series are the Reapers. So it makes sense to me that there's really only a couple options down at the bit of it. And the rest of the game is spent tying off these unique storylines. Like, the, like for instance, one of my ones that I point out is that if you don't play Mass Effect 2 correctly, like if you don't make the right decisions, Tally Zora kills herself in Mass Effect 3. That is something that happens based on your choices and decisions you've made through the series. If that doesn't, if that's not enough of an impact, I don't know what else to tell you. Like a whole yeah. entire character and her entire race just fucking ends. <laughs> like, yeah. But I mean, the whole thing about like hype and stuff, that's true of so many games. Like hype is, hype is kind of a monster and it's a monster in a lot of ways because sometimes it can be in this way where it's like, you just have so high expectations where it's like, it's impossible for them to be met. But yeah. then there's also the the opposite of that where you get really hyped for a game and it just, sucks like just come it, like it's not even a good game at all and it's like you hyped me for something that was shit <laughs> yeah well i also think it's a syndrome amongst nerds that you don't want things to end and so even if it is good just that it's ending upsets you there are exceptions like i i liked how the skywalker line ended could have been better yeah could it have been worse? Yeah. You've seen the other ones. If <laughs> you've seen episode eight, but anyway, there's, and then there's Game of Thrones. That was legitimately terrible. Like that, that right. ending, that last season was trash. Right. And that wasn't about me not wanting it to end. That was just, that was terrible. What did they no, I was doing? ready for it to end. I was ready. I you wanted know? it to be over. <laughs> I just wanted it to end well. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think any of that thing, any of those happened in Mass Effect. I think like you said, it was the hype and just yeah. Mass Effect 2 couldn't be beat. It was so good. I think that happened with the Dark Knight series. That'd be a good one, is that the first one was good, set up the second one, which was gold, is like a number one, 100% perfect. And the third one's not bad, but it's not number two, and it's not going to be. Right. So, so it's going to look a little weaker in comparison. Yes, but there are so many. There's the Thresher Mall scene, which is really early on. I cried so much in Mass Effect 3, okay? <laughs> I cared no. so much about these characters no, and their endings. And I think that probably, so, I mean, you can play these games. This this is probably, like, the easiest of all the games that we've mentioned to play. I, I think if somebody replayed these games and not knowing the hype surrounding it, I think you could have a fine time playing this game. Mm -hmm. I really think that it was... I guess EA, I'm not sure who was the person behind the marketing at the time, but that they just made such a big deal about, like, the endings and, like, you know, the choices and, like, all this stuff. And that was that was the big thing that people harped on. They harped on the ending. Yeah. And then EA also forced in multiplayer, which everybody was mad about because they were like, what's the point? And they made it impact the game slightly. I don't think it did very much, if you ask me, but it does. You get, like, a readiness rating. And you have to play multiplayer to get that to 100%. Oh. Which is really dumb. Yeah, that is kind of dumb. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not saying it was not without its flaws that I understand people were mad about. But at its core, it's a good game that resolves, like, these storylines you've cared about and known for however long. And it's just got really good moments in it. And the music is phenomenal. So, yeah, my favorite and our outro. music. You'll hear it. You'll it's the opener it. for our outro. I guess the only topic really left... Well, I guess I should probably say what the plot of Mass Effect 3 is. The Reapers are here. You're taking them out. That's it. <laughs> it's the end. It's the end. <laughs> I didn't realize we hadn't talked about it. I know, I didn't either, because I went straight into talking about why it's a good yeah. game. Yeah, you talked about all the special topics. Yeah, I did too. That's why I was like, wait. So, yeah, yeah it's the end. You're tying all these loose ends with an ugly bow and... 
defeating the reapers and or figuring out what is the reaper fully and that kind of stuff. So the only other point I have that I haven't gotten to is we Andromeda isn't real. Andromeda never happened, and we're not going to talk about it because it's it's terrible. It's EA. It's EA, 100%. It's EA. Hot garbage. EA did Andromeda. They did Anthem. They've not been having such a hot train No, we don't lately. like these games. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I guess to be fair, I haven't played Anthem, but I've like, seen it. That's I enough. looked at it. It's not an RPG. And I was like, it's this a multiplayer. It's not, not a game for me. No, that's not what we're about when it comes to Bioware. <laughs> so I did not play it at all. And then I also heard that it was bad. So then I was like, cool. I, was like, I knew it. <laughs> I made the correct decision. Awesome. All of this, these things that we're saying right now about, you know, Bioware hasn't really been on a good streak lately. And maybe that's something at the beginning of this that people were kind of thinking about. Thinking about games like Andromeda and Anthem and just like, why should I care about Bioware? And... I think for us, for the future of Bioware, we would like it, honestly, if they went back to some of these games, some of these roots. Are you saying if they kept the basics at heart? Yes, please. (laughs) Always. (laughs) I mean, okay, yes. Remake Jade Empire. But I think more what I'm saying is, you know, a lot of why we like these games is that these games, they're very different. From a lot, I mean, even the ones that are similar, I would say that they're told in a very different style and they're very unique. You know, you're not going to find uh, a game that's in the Star Wars realm that's like Knights of the Old Republic. I don't think there's, there's some maybe that come close, but they're not quite in that timeline. You're not going to find a game that's like Jade Empire that's told in this Western style with Eastern themes. It just, as far as I'm aware, it doesn't really exist. Uh, Mass Effect is unique, you know, just for being like a sci-fi. But I, I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever played a sci-fi that's like Mass Effect. No, other sci-fi's are, like I said, are very tech. They're all about that new tech, which I, I understand. That's yeah. very interesting, and everybody wants to know about. <laughs> everyone wants to know about the lightsabers, but Mass Effect. That's kind of a side note. That's not the main point. The main point is the culture, and there's not a lot of sci-fi games that really harp on alien culture and everything. It's a whole expansive story detail that Bioware is just known for. And for the future, if they could, you know, make something different again, if they could go back to their root, go back to their passion, be creative, make something completely out of left field even, maybe something that I wouldn't expect. You mean like a mermaid horror RPG? Yes. Let's do it. (laughs) We'll be voice actors for it. We'll kill Ariel in the beginning. <laughs> this is what you thought it would be. And we just slaughter someone who looks like Ariel from Little Mermaid. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the exact noise that we're going to communicate with. There's going to be different types of mermaids. There's going to be mermaids from the Atlantic versus the dark And they're scene. all going to be creepy. But creepy when they sing, claws. they transform into beautiful sirens. And then they murder everyone. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the plot of this game is going to be. Bioware, this. Bioware, this is where you come in and take over. <laughs> Make this work. Make this work. We can write side stories or, like, some cultural details. I'll draw you a picture. I'll voice act and help with the music. <laughs> but, yeah, the whole thing is really, you know, remake Jade's Empire. That's important. That is <laughs> that's an, number one. <laughs> that is an important thing. But also, just make something different, really. There's, there's no real need for you to do more Mass Effect, even though I know they are. 
There's really, I mean, I know there's one more Dragon Age that's going to come out, which we'll talk about in the next episode, but also you don't really need to make more Dragon Ages. I guess you could make more Kozors, but th that story has gotten so weird at this point that I would rather you not. <laughs> Just leave them alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you did like something about the Mandalorian Wars, that'd be interesting. That would be interesting. If they wanted to do something in the Star Wars universe again, but just, you know, some different timeline, that that could be cool, too. Which is, I mean, basically what KOTOR is, so. Yeah. Please do that again. <laughs> yeah, just do <laughs> Okay, do that part the same, but everything else I want something completely different. <laughs> if that is so overwhelming of an idea to have something new, then just do another KOTOR yeah, style just game. <laughs> just make another KOTOR. Yeah. <laughs> Knights of the New Republic. Knights of the Old... Old Republic. Of the Ancient Republic. There we go. There it is. There's your next game, along with the mermaid one. Yeah, please make the mermaid. There, see? It took us, like, 30 minutes to come up with two great ideas. Come on, Bioware. But that... I mean, that's it. That's it. That's the end of this video. <laughs> that's how you're gonna end it. You're just like, I'm done talking about mermaids and Kotor. This is over. <laughs> This was Passion for Your Passions with Krista and Julie, where we talked about Bioware. You've been waiting for it. You've waited three whole episodes, maybe, if you're that one person. Who listened to us talk about Dragon Age. If you're the exploding eyeball guy, you waited with us. <laughs> you have, this has been the moment you have waited so long to hear Julie's deep opinions about Dragon Age and to hear my probably divisive ones. Maybe not. I don't know. I think we're pretty similar on our feelings of Dragon Age. No, you like two better than I do. Oh, I do? So. It's because I don't hate it with an act of passion. That means I like it more than you do.